Good evening. It's good to be back. I said after preaching for so many years, I'm still a bit nervous. People don't believe it, but it's true. Because you know you can do your part, but God has to speak. So we all open our hearts to what God may have to say to us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters here and those watching at home. Man does not live by bread alone. We need your truth to educate us, to guide us, to shape us. So on this Holy Tuesday, Lord, your people wait for you to speak to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you have experienced this before? Maybe you are taking a flight or a coach and you have arrived and you can't wait to get up and get out. No? Then you get up and then, ching, eh, safety belt never take off. Ching, then people laugh at you. You want to take the seat with you or what? No, no. And you take off. So here we have this intention of quickly going our own way. Okay. Servant leader. So you are wanting to go on your own way, very excited to move, but then something is holding you back with, that you didn't know. And of course, you have to remove this barrier before you can go on. And I thought that this few evenings as we talk more about intergenerational walking together, mutual discipling, it is something that we want to really get on board. But I feel very strongly that there's one thing that we must do before we can actually move. There's something holding us back. And that is the fact that the generations through the years often through ignorance, have hurt each other. So forgiveness, not quite a popular topic. It's hard work. It means that we have to look at our wounds. But yet, I think if you are serious about moving in this direction, we have to invest some time to think about the whole subject of forgiveness. Forgive those who have hurt us to remove this barrier so indeed we can move on in this direction that we believe God wants us to do. So we will say that, uh, point number one, in a fallen world, we all receive wounds we don't deserve. Point number one. And uh, the thing is, I remember very clearly there was once I was waiting at a traffic light. I was the second car, there's a car ahead of me. Second car, traffic light, waiting for the light to turn green so I could cross the road. But then... To my shock, the car in front began to slide backwards. So I was there. Hey. Maybe the person forgot that he didn't pull up the brake or what, but it's going backwards. So toot, toot, toot. Toot, 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 But the speed wasn't very fast, so no real damage done. And I saw that it was a, oh, I don't know what language to use, a senior lady. Now I cannot say old <laughs> So it was a senior lady, and she came out of the car and moved towards me. I was in my own car, and I rolled down my glass for this exchange. I, I was ready with my, what I'm going to say. I was younger then. Uh, it's okay, auntie, no harm done. So I already memorized my phrase already. Now I cannot say auntie already. I'm probably older already, but at the time I'm younger. Lah, so it's okay, auntie. Don't, don't worry, auntie. Nothing happened. So she came over to my side. My window was open. Why you bang my car? I beg, but you you beg, you don't bang my car, young man. 
I bang her car. She's the one that rolled back and pung my car. What? What? So, yeah, I was trying to be a good person, a good Christian, forgive people. Instead, she go and scold me. So before I could say anything, she went to a car, the light turned green, ooh, she went off. At the back, I was so stunned, I couldn't move the car. At the back, doo, 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 doo. so then I had to go off. And now you see, these things happen to you so that you have sermon illustrations. Huh? Huh? These kind of things happen to you. But it was a wound I didn't deserve. I didn't do anything wrong, hello. In fact, I tried to warn you, but you were not aware or whatever. You rolled back, well, boom, my car. It's not my fault. They're going to scold me some more. I think there are other wounds which are deeper, lah. You will know that in my first life, in my first, this is my second life. In my first life, I was a dentist. And I remember the first day I was in the clinic treating patients for the very first time. Before that, you were treating on this kind of model heads. Nobody will short pain on no? model heads. The first time treating a real life human being. And this is my third year, I think, of dental school. And of course, the patient has to sign some agreement that if the student kill me, I won't sue the school. They have to sign something. So they have, and they get it for free. You know? So yeah, I was treating. But I was very nervous because for the first time treating a real life patient, I was scared if I cut the cavity too deep or whatever, something's going to happen. So I was very nervous. And I periodically called the instructor to come and check my, my, my work, see whether I've cut uh, too deep or not. So I was very nervous and I asked the instructor to come a number of times. And the last time she, she came to me and said, so in, if you do not know your work, you go back to second year in front of my patient. No? It wasn't very funny then, but Bobina, <laughs> no face. And I felt that if I needed to be chided, you should ask me aside to a room somewhere. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. But to do this and blast me in front of my patient, you're destroying my relationship with my patient. My patient will not trust me anymore. So I was very angry, not the fact that I was chided, maybe I did call her too many times, but the fact that it was done in this way, you yell at me in front of my patient, destroying my relationship with the patient. I was very angry. You want to scold me, bring me to a room and scold me, don't do this in front of my patient, you actually jeopardize my relationship with my patient. This haunted me for a long time. It took me a long time to forgive. I'm not here to talk about forgiveness as though it's something easy. People who say it's easy to forgive probably have never been hurt very bad before. If you've been hurt badly before, you know it's hard work if it happens at all. So in the intergen context, I think the gen have hurt each other, for sure. We think, for example, coming back for on-site worship after COVID. Um, not, I don't know what is your church experience, but there was one church where all the more, uh, again, older members, I still grapple with terms, older members came back as soon as they could. This was very important to them. But the younger people uh, didn't come back. But they were happy to go to their cell groups, but not to the congregational worship. So we've tried to find out why, and often we position that you need to come to church for feeding the pulpit. And for the young, if that's the main purpose, I must just stay at home, wear sarong and watch Tim Keller. I get feeding, better feeding, <coughs> better preaching than my pastor. So if the whole purpose is feeding, I can get feeding at home, dress in sarong, drinking coffee. But I need fellowship, that's why I go to my CG. But for the older members, coming to church was a symbol of your loyalty to God and the church. 
You don't come means you're not loyal to God and the church. And so they say to young people, why you're not loyal to God and the church? You don't show up and it's already okay to come to worship and you don't show up. And the young people are, are, are very angry that they were accused of not being loyal to God. Because in their mind, that was not why they were doing this. In their mind, if, if indeed church is only for feeding, but really what they want is relationships. Uh, younger people are very important relationships. Then, of course, I will invest time and bandwidth in the relationship, my CG, rather than coming to church. But you can see how both sides were hurt. First, older folks. When we came to church last time, last time, uh, we were Pandish, uh, you come from Buddhism or Hinduism, whatever. To come to church was a big deal. It really revealed my loyalty to God. I came to church for worship. I cannot whack my parents, but I show my loyalty to God by coming to church for corporate worship. So that's what it means to me from that generation. But the young people, second, third generation, they come to church because daddy, mommy forced them to come to church. They get whacked if they try to twang church, they try to skip church. So for them, if you really want me to learn the word, I, I can learn it better at home. I can go to three top speakers, whatever, if this all there is. Because I come to church, uh, it's a, the sermon is hit and miss. I don't really have time to talk to each other in corporate worship. There's no fellowship in corporate worship. But what I hunger for is relationship. So this is one of a number of situations where young and old end up uh, hurting each other, even though you can see now that this is nobody's fault, but we have been wounded. Or even the whole thing about discipling and mentoring. Uh, older folks, we see mentoring as sharing with you the insights we have learned through the years, through very difficult blood and tears we learn powerful lessons. So now you pair me with a younger person, let's say boomer, millennial, my job is to share with you all that I have learned and to correct you when I see you're, you're not going the right way. But the millennial doesn't need the boomer for knowledge. You can go online and hear all sorts of people, good teachers. What they want is a loving guide who will guide them to discover the truth for themselves. But often with the boomer, the young person can't get a word in age-wise. They're supposed to be passively listening. You do this, do that. Huh? In my time, I like that. Huh? Clash of expectations. And the young people, if you, they even take the trouble to listen to me. By the way, that's one of the things that came up in the Slido last night. I was so glad. They, they don't, the young, the older mentor don't even listen to me. He's always correcting me, micromanaging my life. Thing about this is not mentoring to me. I desperately need a guide to help me figure out life. But this person sees himself just as a mentor, as a teacher, as an instructor to tell me this, tell me that. And the older person is wondering, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing with you insights I've learned through pain and tears that you don't appreciate me. You see all this intergen, what hurts to nobody's fault. So if you want to go ahead with intergen discipleship, we have to come to terms with this matter of hurt and the need to forgive. Otherwise, with this festering insight, it's really quite hard to move on to trust the intergen intergen direction. So that's why today, many things we could have talked about, about the heart. I, I talked with Pastor Raymond, I said I'll talk more about forgiveness. And the deepest wounds actually come from those who are closest to you. If non-Christian or the world whack you, uh, but it's the people you love the most, husband and wife, parents and children, pastor and members, people whom you expect to really be kind, and when they do things by ignorance, by sin, whatever, that hurts us. The deepest wounds come from those closest to us. So in any premarital counselling class, I hope we talk about the need for forgiveness as marriage 101. Otherwise, how can a marriage? We hurt each other all the time. 
So, in the fallen world, we all receive wounds we don't deserve. So, if you do something bad, you get the whack, I deserve lah. But sometimes, I, I didn't do anything wrong and you accuse me of all sorts of things. You hurt me badly and I don't deserve that. We're talking about that category of things. Huh? This is the point number one. But when we are hurt and we're angry at someone who has hurt us unfairly, what does God expect? Point number two, God expects us to forgive those. And this forgiving others is a command from this very familiar passage. I won't have time to go uh, into this. Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Seven is some kind of perfect number. If you can forgive someone seven times, already uh, A plus already. Then Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And what he means is that, I forgive you, 76, 77, okay, 78. No, that's not what he means. 77 means you have to keep on forgiving. Nah? It's not some kind of uh, legalistic. Okay, yeah, 76 times already. Yeah? One more, you die. Yeah? 76 already. Yeah? No, no, that's not what he means. He means, uh, because already 7 is supposed to be very good already. 77 means you keep on forgiving people. Then Jesus gives the... Rationale, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts. A man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. He can't pay. He had to surrender and give up his wife, his children, everything to pay the debt and still, still cannot pay back because it was a huge amount. And the servant fell on his knees. Please be patient with me. He begged and I will pay back everything. Both the master and the guy know this is an impossible one. They can't bluff on it. This will never happen. Then the servant's master took pity on him and cancelled his debt, right off the debt. No? Huge amount of money right off. That means you get back his wife, his child, his life. Let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Tiny amount compared to what he has been forgiven. He grabbed him and began to choke him. You know? Pay back what you owe. And he said, I cannot uh, be patient with me. He should have heard that and remember what he said also. Be patient was the own words he used. Ma. Now you hear back from this person the words you use. Huh? But then he refused. He sent the man off to prison. But when the other servants saw this incident, they know that he has been forgiven this humongous debt. Then they saw him being so cruel with someone with a tiny debt. It, by any natural justice, this is not fair, right? What the? So they complained to the master who then grabbed the guy. It didn't end well for him. Then he says, this is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Well, this part of those Bible I want to cut and throw away. Have you ever felt some verses you wish was not there? This is one of those. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And the point is, I think if we really understand how much God has forgiven us, if we really understand how much grace we have received from God, if you really understand. Then when other people hurt us, it's nothing compared to what we have received from God. If you really understood, we would then let people go. You don't let people go, it means you have not really understood. Maybe the first journey into the journey of forgiveness actually is to be clear about how much God has forgiven us. If that is not something that is clear to us, then we will find it hard to forgive others. Especially Good Friday, Easter. We remember how much God has done to forgive us. Wow. You heard me. This is nothing compared to what I received from God. But if we are not aware of this, then we can't do this. But the point here is that Jesus expects that we will forgive people. Some people 
well, I've read, read many books that you're supposed to forgive people because it's good for your health. Forgive people, now, nah, your blood pressure go down. Nah. Less chance of cancer. All sorts of benefits, you know. All sorts of benefits from forgiveness, you know. Huh? And forgiveness, huh, cannot make money, one. you've got to forgive. Right? And there are all sorts of reasons why we should forgive. But I can tell you that sometimes people are so angry, cancer don't care, I still won't, I won't always hate him. Huh? Can or not? People are so angry, you say, oh, high blood pressure, never mind, I've got medication. I will never forgive this person. You know what he did to me or not? So we must be clear, although there are benefits from forgiveness, and this is something that I grapple with, my friends. You must know that I've been hurt badly. It's a command. Uh. It's what God expects. Uh. It's not just because of things that we can get from forgiveness. Uh. But let me quickly talk about what forgiveness is not because there's a lot of confusion. I get this point from a book called Louis Smith's book called Forgive and Forget. I, I, I commend this book to you. It's not, not, a, not a new book, but I learned much of this schema from him. Forgive and Forget, Louis Smith's, S-M-E-D-E-S. He used to be a professor in Fuller, he has passed away. So he says you must understand what forgiveness is not. It's not forgetting. You can still remember when the guy whacked you. In fact, the guy may say, huh, I see you haven't forgotten. You haven't forgiven, you can still remember. Of course, unless I've got amnesia, what I'm sure I can remember. But the thing is, when forgiveness has happened, when you can remember the episode, and you don't feel angry anymore. You can play that episode in your mind, but hey, Boki, no, no anger, no anger. I think that is it. No, rather than somebody pong you on the head and you forget. But rather, you can still recall. Because this kind of very traumatic experiences, hard to forget, Maha. But I can recall and no anger anymore. No more anger. It's not uh, excusing. Well, that day he treated me badly because that morning his cat died. Or whatever. It's got excuse, you know. Excuse, cat died, dog died. Whatever. So we try to excuse people why they behave badly. But sometimes there's no excuse. They just sin against you. So we'll ask you how. Maybe his cat died, I can give him some slack, but got no reason his cat never died, dog never died, he just whacked me. It's just an act of sin. So sometimes got no excuses. It's not a reconciliation, but although that is our goal, that both of us should be friends again, that is our goal. But there's two hands clapping, ma. you want to reconcile, the fellow don't want to reconcile, doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven. You have done your part to release. It's not letting go demands of the law. Sometimes... Non-Christians try to manipulate Christians. Hey, you Christian, don't report to the authorities. Huh? You, you Christian like that one. Huh? So I will find that if you have sinned against me and it costs me, I can write it off myself. But you truly money from the company, it's not my personal loss. Eh? It's the company's loss. And I think even to help you, I need to report this to the authorities. Don't let people manipulate Christians. If he, the money is your personal money, you choose to write off, that's fine. But if they have done something wrong and have taken money from some institution that both of you are part of, then to be fair to the institution, even to this person to help them repent, I need to report. So it's not letting go of the demands of the law. And it's not retaining old ways of relating. I've forgiven you, but it doesn't mean I'll relate to you in the same way in the future. The classic example, I think, of wife beating. Husband beat the wife. Then the wife forgives the husband. Then says, you come back to this relationship, I beat you again. I forgive means I release my anger, but it will seem quite silly to come back to be beaten until you die sometimes. But this we can talk in more detail. Huh? But to forgive you doesn't mean I will now relate to you in the same way and cannot whack again. So this is all this support forgiveness. You know what forgiveness is? Okay, I tell you there are... Uh, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, four steps. No, tonight, huh? that's the exam afterwards. 
four steps of forgiveness. The first step is actually to admit that you have been hurt and you are angry. I said, duh, of course I'm angry. No, sometimes we suppress our anger. Are you angry? No, who say I'm angry? I'm not angry. Sometimes we fool ourselves. A good Christian cannot be angry one. Good Christians must easily forgive. But the wound is still bleeding. So at least the first step is to come to terms that I was hurt by my partner, by my son, by my my, my friend hurt me deeply and admit that you are hurting and wounded from a blow you didn't deserve. They whacked me. So step number one actually is to Admit, because you, like any doctor, if you don't say there's a wound, how to start healing? You have to start by actually admitting that I'm very hurt and I'm very angry. By the way, this is sometimes useful to do this with a counsellor or friend or mentor. Sometimes, sometimes it's so hard, it's scary to handle it yourself. I would advocate that you find someone to walk with you if it's a very deep wound and very complicated wound. But number one is just to admit that I'm, I was hurt unfriendly and it hurt me so deeply. I didn't deserve that. They're going to whack me. So deeply. So it begins with coming to terms. Then the second step is to see the person who hurt you through the eyes of Jesus. Remember Jesus on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus knows that a fallen humanity often will do things that they're not supposed to do. Of course he shouldn't have done that. But we're all part of a human, fallen humanity, and sometimes we do things that are wrong. I mean, if you're a sanctified person, totally holy, then you wait you, something is wrong. But we're all part of a fallen humanity. And of course, this person shouldn't have done those things, but you know, let's see them as Jesus on the cross somewhere in pain. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then later, Stephen also said the same thing. Because when people hurt us, we're very angry. We, we see them as people who shouldn't have done that. How can you do this? But when we see them as a fallen, broken humanity, it's one more, one more step down the road of coming to terms with forgiveness. You know, of course, they shouldn't have done that, but they did it. Either they are non-Christians, still dis- disturbed by sin, or they are Christians, still on the road to sanctification. Of course, they shouldn't have done it, but they did it. But we are all in this broken humanity. So step one, admit you have been hurt. Step two, see the person who hurt you through the eyes of Jesus. Father, forgive them, but they know not what they do. The third one is more interesting, to see yourself through the eyes of Jesus. When someone hurt me, uh, oh, suddenly I'm on moral high ground, you know. You hurt me. Uh. You're the hurter, I'm the hurtee. Uh. I, I have a, a right to have a moral high ground. How dare you violate and betray me? So I'm on this judge's chair. I'm now judge, jury, and executioner. How dare you hurt me? I have a right to sit on that judgment chair to judge you because you hurt me and didn't deserve it. You are sitting on the chair, judge, hurt, victim, okay, hurty, hurter, and you're very angry at the person who hurt you. Then you're in this room, you're on the chair, judging this person, judging this person. Then Jesus come in and say, uh, you are, come down, please, come down. That's, that's not your chair, hello. Then Jesus go up the chair, ching, 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 Jesus said. Then said then, but Jesus, where then should I stand? Ah, next to that fellow. Lah. Next, next. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In this incident, this guy hurt you. In other incidences, you hurt other people, right? You're not a different species, leh. He said, in this incident, you've been hurt by this person. But it's not that you're a perfect person and this person hurt you. So this step is perhaps the hardest, to come to terms that you are no angel. 
In this incident, they hurt you. But have you hurt other people before? So, step one, admit you're hurt. Step two, see the one who hurt you through the eyes of Jesus. Step three, see yourself in the eyes of Jesus. There's only one judge. It's in the book of James. Only one judge. Uh, hello, it's not us. Huh? And the fourth step, actually, is to uh, release those who have hurt us from the prison of our anger. Actually, you don't know. Huh? There's actually a, a jail, no? a, a dungeon uh, inside your heart. You didn't know, huh? When people hurt you, huh, you put these people inside your dungeon. You close the door. Every day you walk past the dungeon, you kick the bars. How dare you do this? How so all these people are like, inside the dungeon of your anger. Of course, you got too many people, then heart become very heavy. Like. Everybody you don't forgive, huh, the jail become more and more people, overcrowded jail. Like. Because all these people, babe, cannot let go and you're still very angry. You know, so when you take the fourth step in the power of God, and it needs the power of God, you go down and you open the door, eh? I think I have some right to be angry with you. You hurt me very badly. But in the name of Jesus, as Christ has forgiven me, I forgive you. You can go now. I will no longer punish you with my anger. So it needs a, a decision of the will in the power of God. So it means you no longer are angry with this person because of this incident anymore. Do you want or not? Some people don't want, no. Sometimes they, there's some perverse thrill in continuing to be angry, you know. They, they don't want to forgive. Huh? Actually, it ends up... I'll say that the first time they whack you, huh, you have no choice. Huh? But if you do not forgive them, all the time you remember, it's actually you whacking yourself. Huh? They only whack you one time only. Every time you record the incident, you pung, 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 it's you whacking yourself. Huh? They only whack you once. If you recall that incident again and again in some negative context, you are actually whacking yourself. And like I said, Jesus expects that we will forgive. Open. You hurt me badly. I think I have a right to be angry, but I choose now in the power of God not to be angry with you anymore. I mean, they may or may not appreciate. It's nothing to do with them. It's got to do with you and God. This is what is the fourth stage. Admit, admit you have been hurt. See this person through Jesus' eyes. See yourself through Jesus' eyes. Make a decision to release them from the prison of your anger. Of course, you release them, uh, then next morning you wake up, you go down, uh, still, they're still there. You know? So I come to terms that deep wounds uh, take time. Leh. Cannot pretend that one shot finished, oh, no, maybe, maybe I'm not anointed enough, but one, one shot cannot. I, the wounds that I have re, I've received, which are very painful, uh, I actually got, got a foul. I got a foul uh. And every time the bad memory and the hurt comes back, I go through these four steps again. I go through these four steps again. And I'm telling you now, because I'm older now, I've done this a few times. Actually, you consistently do this. Huh? A day will come and you go down to the dungeon, Bolia, he's not there anymore. I promise you. But we need God's help. Maybe we need to talk through with somebody. But you must want it to happen. Lah. Because the demon, the, the Satan will, when the first time you go down, you see the fellow still there. I thought I released you yesterday. Okay, how come he's still there? Then the enemy will say, nah, not sincere one, not sincere one. Don't, don't listen to all this. Deep wounds take time, I will tell you this. But it can be happen. You can be free. I promise you this also. But you must want this. Whether it's through people that you've heard, or intergenerational, whatever. So, if you want to go ahead in this intergen thing, then surely this is one, one safety bar that you forgot now you've got to take. This restraint that comes from the anger between people and especially anger between generations must be dealt with. 
So don't don't let Chong into oh, intergen ministry so that can we settle this basic thing? There's so much anger and distrust uh, between generations. We've got to do this forgiveness thing. Of course, not just for generations thing, but whatever. No, afterwards, there'll be some time of reflection, whatever. This is Holy Week. This is Lent. Who do you need to forgive? Actually, driving here, the Lord gave me three names. Oh, three names, boom. You know, these three people hurt you 15 years ago. You haven't forgiven them. Huh? Well, really, man. So now I'm going to have quite a bad, bad sleep tonight. Huh? Because the Lord reminded me of three names. One of them actually passed away already. And even if they have passed away, you can still go through these four things. Imagine that they're sitting in the chair there. Yeah, the three names, one passed away already. I need to do some work these few days. And the first step is to remember how much God has sacrificed for me. What I do is nothing compared to what He has done for me. And I need God's help. Because sometimes there's a perverse pleasure in keeping anger. That's a sign of the fact that we are not sanctified yet. And I have anger issues in my life. But I must forgive people. And I have been on this journey. I have forgiven people. But clearly, there are names I had either don't want to remember or forgotten or what, which the Lord... Because I preached this sermon, I drive here, boom, three names came into my mind. Maybe I shouldn't be preaching on this, but cannot. Huh? Too late already. I agreed to preach on this. So, let me talk about parents and children and I'll, I'll finish here. Huh? Often I do a lot of ministry among young adults. And they say one of the things you need to do as a young adult is to forgive your parents for not being perfect. When you're very young, your parents are so tall and big, almost godlike like that. Almost godlike, huh? your little child. Then you grow, 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 and say, hey, yeah, dad and mom got many weaknesses. They are not as godlike as I thought. They failed me, they hurt me deeply. So whether your parents understand this or not, as a young person or even as an older person, some parents do treat us very painfully. Huh? So when we forgive someone, it's not that I endorse your treatment. Huh? It don't mean that I, it's okay to bash me. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that I no longer want to be angry with you. So don't get confused. If they hurt you badly, let's call it for what it is. You bash me, you cause me pain. Let's call it for what it is. Just that I now choose not to be angry with you anymore. To release you from the prison of my anger. Huh? For your own... For our own benefit, of course, but because God expects it. So children, as a parent now, as a grandparent now, I look back, oh my goodness, how I fail my children. And some of the children get older, they remind you also. I apologize to my kids. I wish I had done better. I cannot turn the clock back, but Daddy is sorry. that He didn't understand you and came across so harshly at you. I'm sorry. But whether Daddy says sorry or not, God expects the child to forgive your parents. But right now I can see many parents, but what about us? Children hurt, so hurt us. Uh. What the? I, I hear you, brother, sister. <laughs> of course our children hurt us as well. Like we pour our hearts, trying our best to raise our kids, and they, they don't seem to appreciate that they, they, they do things that hurt us badly as well. And sometimes they won't know this until they get older or become parents themselves. But we have to forgive our children too. Just as Abba Father has forgiven us. So this, don't talk about generations. This land... And we'll have a reflective exercise afterwards. Who do you need to let go? Huh? Ironically, God wants to bless you. Though. But your hand is so close around this anger. I want to bless you. Let go. Don't want. Don't want. Mm-hmm. When we forgive and let go, then we can receive anointing, blessing that God wants to give you. So it's not that God wants to give you, but because we nurture the unforgiving spirit, 
Because the wound is so deep, I, 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 I'm not downplaying that. Very hard to let go. And by the power of God, we let go. I choose not to be angry anymore. And we see all the things that God actually been waiting to give you, but blocked by your, you know, it, it cannot come out because of this blockage. There was once a gathering of a boomer and millennial. And for whatever happened, the, the boomer stood up and said, I want to say tonight to apologize to all my millennial friends. I didn't understand you and I hurt you badly. I'm so sorry. Then the one millennial stood up, a big guy, a rugby player. He burst into tears. I've never heard an older person say that kind of thing. He burst into tears. So, it's possible, eh? It's possible. The power of God is possible. Don't think, oh, it's so hard, it cannot happen. The power of God, it is possible. So, my dear friends, one commitment, maybe let's don't work on ten names or maybe even three names, but maybe work on one name. Someone who's really hurt you badly. We don't pretend they haven't hurt us badly. But we choose in the power of God to let them go. Can you do that? I need to I hate to say this, but it's God's command. Ah. But that means God wants to help us do it. Lah. But we got to do it. Lah. So before we rush into intergen ministry or what, we really need to deal with whatever hurts and wounds we have between the generations. And indeed between people, between us, lah, between us. So that we can move on and flourish. Let's pray. Father, I think all of us have gone through situations but we have been betrayed, we have been hurt. It was so painful and we are so angry. Lord, you know all this. Jesus, you have been betrayed, you have been hurt, you have been crucified. Why are we telling this to you? You should know this more than anyone else. But Father, Jesus on the, Jesus on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If we want to follow Jesus and have the Spirit of Christ in our hearts, I don't see how we can do this without imitating you, Jesus. But we need help, leh. Some of these wounds are very deep. So, Lord, may you break our hearts, give us a fresh vision of how much we have received from you, and soften our hearts, open our hands, help us to open the, the, the door of the prison in our heart to, to let these people go. Help us, Lord, even as we seek to be closer as one church. We cannot bypass this need to forgive. Cannot. This is the road, this is the road towards unity as a church. Is that we learn to forgive each other. So help us, Lord. This holy week, as we look upon the cross and the resurrection, help us, Lord. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.